the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. As I indicated, today is National Day of Prayer. It occurs the first Thursday in May every year. And um, this year's observance, perhaps one of the most critical that we've seen, certainly in my lifetime. Oh, down through the years, we've been through a lot of challenges, to be sure, in times of war, times of attacks and terrorism acts against the United States. We've experienced as Americans tragic loss of life and gone through really and survived the gambit. But this is all new territory. It's uncharted waters. And in the midst of all of the death and destruction, there's also hope. And there is a tremendous opportunity for the church to rise up as such a time as this. Joining me now is the founder and president of First Love Ministries, many, many years, a dear friend, and of course, a very familiar voice to KFAX listeners. Reverend Pat Chen joins us. Pat, how are you? Hi there, Craig. I'm so happy to hear your voice. And and you as well. And uh, sorry that we're separated by all the, the distance, but certainly not separated in spirit nor in heart. Um, Pat, uh, well, like, 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 like so many of us, we're, we're struggling to try and make sense out of all this. And I hope ultimately as the church trying to all make, also make sure that we don't spurn what may be one of the most critical opportunities for the church to rise and shine and share the message of the gospel and hope with others that are literally staring their own mortality in the face and not knowing what to do or how to respond. You're right. We are definitely in a a very, very critical time. In fact, this National Day of Prayer um, is truly um, one of the most significant times um, that we've ever had. I I actually call it, um, it's in a very strategic time with the world pandemic, with uh, all across our U.S., uh, and all across the world, we all are facing um, making a lot of major decisions, a lot of changes in our lives. And, of course, many of us don't know from day to day what um, is coming. But we do know the Lord. And in terms of the hope that we have, and for those of us that have been praying for the U.S. and praying for the world for all these many years, we are in the midst of seeing negativity and all the um, you know, just all the bad things that have been happening around us, we are very, very encouraged because we see God moving in the lives of so many. We, we're seeing the beginnings of um, revival because people are praying now, um, Craig, much more than we've ever seen. We hear about so many things going on in the area of prayer and, and especially doing it in a, such a different way. So uh, this particular year for the National Day of Prayer, we're going to be doing some things differently than we've done in the past. And tell us about that. Well, what's happening, since we're not uh, able to meet, uh, you know, in large groups, uh, in most places, though there are some states that are opening up, 
for the most part, um, a lot of states are still not opening up uh, where people can gather. And even those states that are opening up, uh, there's still, um, you know, the six-foot uh, difference, you know, in terms of the uh, uh, social um, spacing there. And so what we're seeing that we're needing to communicate by Zoom, uh, by teleconferences, uh, you know, to use our YouTube. Um, there's just so many different ways technology-wise that we are coming together in prayer. And so instead of coming together uh, and doing the types of things we would have been doing um, this, you know, over the years, we would have had a large gathering uh, in the Capitol building that we've had over the years. Um, and this particular year we were planning on having um, the Museum of the Bible. But instead there's going to be a, a major national broadcast uh, that we can come together across the U.S., and then, of course, many people can, um, you know, uh, click on uh, nationaldayofprayer.org, and they can join us um, from anywhere in the world. And uh, it's going to be really uh, wonderful to be able to uh, come together uh, in a variety of ways uh, with people from all across the nation um, and to pray together. As you point out, this is a unique crossroads, and this can be an opportunity. In spite of all the tragic loss of life, the impact to our economy, and so much of a sense of of doubt about the future, and concerns about whether or not this will even come back for a second visit in the fall, has many people very worried, and I think searching for answers. And most importantly, I think many of us are being confronted by our own sense of mortality. What does that mean? And how reliant are we on our Creator to give us life, to sustain the life that He's given us, and to be able to survive through these trying times? So the church coming together, gathering, repenting, praying, seeking God's face, going before the throne of grace, and then being engaged in being the church— not just doing the church and getting out there and sharing the good news of Christ. This is a critical, critical crossroads. Pat, for folks that want to get more information about your prayer ministry, where can they find you on the web? uh, Breastlifeprayer.net is uh, my website. And, of course, going back again to the nationaldayofprayer.org. And, in fact, uh, Craig, let me share with you, uh, God TV will also be broadcasting this uh, Daystar, Moody Broadcasting, and, of course, Facebook Live. And um, uh, Kathy Brenzel, who is our new president for the National Day of Prayer, and Will Graham will be hosting this particular national broadcast. So um, uh, they will connect with a lot of uh, key leaders from uh, across the nation, and many of them that you probably, in fact, I know that you know of them, um, Luis, Luis Palau and uh, his, his son, Andrew Palau, and um, uh, Nick Hall and Michael W. Smith and uh, Billy uh, Wilson from Oral Roberts University and a variety of others just really feel that um, this particular uh, broadcast um, will be tremendous, especially there'll be intercessors, uh, not necessarily that you'll know their name, but there'll be many intercessors that will be uh, praying uh, different prayer huddles. Uh, There'll be a variety of things that will um, lead others to pray with us. So it won't be just these key leaders uh, sharing and praying, but also 
uh, uh, intercessors from across the U.S. to pray. Certainly good to hear and um, a good challenge for all of us. The annual National Day of Prayer. Information available on the web at nationaldayofprayer.org. That's nationaldayofprayer.org. And, of course, you can reach Pat Chen directly at firstloveprayer.net. Firstloveprayer.net. Our thanks to Pat Chen, the founder and president of First Love Ministries, for that update on the all-important National Day of Prayer. Let me mention, too, at this juncture that coming up after the break, we're going to have a number of our local Bay Area pastors, many voices that you will recognize, lead us in a time of prayer. And we'll get to that right after this quick timeout here on the Thursday National Day of Prayer edition of Lifeline. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to this special National Day of Prayer edition of Lifeline. We're going to set aside some time now in the program for prayer. And to lead us off, here's Pastor Gary Mortera from Faith Fellowship Church in San Leandro. Would you join with me right now, whether you're at home or working in the garage or the yard or in your car? Now, if you're in your car, don't close your eyes, but you can pray with me as I pray over our nation, the world, this coronavirus and all that's going on. Let's do that right now. Father, I come before you in the name of Jesus. Thank you that you give us freedom to come into your presence through the blood of the cross of Christ Jesus. Thank you that you are a God that is near, that hears and answers our prayers. Lord, I come before you right now in the matchless name of Jesus. And Lord, I pray against this coronavirus. I pray that you would break its back, destroy its power that like a vapor going up in the wind it would dissipate and disappear in the name of Jesus Christ I pray for President Trump and Vice President Pence Lord I I pray for the governors of all the United States and Lord those are on the coronavirus task force trying to find a way to combat this. Lord, I I thank God for all of them, but Lord, we need wisdom. And you have to give your leaders wisdom because they lead your people. And so give President Trump and Vice President Pence and all the governors wisdom on what to do. But Lord, the battle will really be fought on their knees. Forgive those governors who don't bow their knee to you, who do not call on the name of Jesus Christ, but hear those prayers of those that do. Lord, we pray for the mayor right here in San Leandro. We pray for this Bay Area, oh God, and and all the people that even come to Faith Fellowship from all over the Bay Area. Lord, that you would protect them by your warring angels, that they would be covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, that no one from this day going forward would catch this virus because it's dissipating and disappearing. Lord, I pray for the health care workers, the police, uh, the first responders, the essential workers, oh God, that you would protect them, watch over them, keep them safe in this hour as you have set them in place for such a time as this. Lord, I pray for the people that are getting afraid and anxious and worried. 
Let them know that their hope lies in you, that you are the God that sustains us. You are the God that holds us up under the everlasting arms. May they turn to you in this hour. I pray for those, Lord, that have lost jobs. They're concerned about their next paycheck, their meals, and providing for their families. Oh, God, let them know that you feed sparrows. And, Lord, you will take care of us, for we are worth more than many sparrows. I pray for those that have lost their jobs, that they would stand strong, that you have a plan coming, O Lord, and you will provide all their needs. I pray for all the researchers throughout the world that are looking for a cure. May they cry out to you and not depend and lean on their scientific minds and study alone, but on the God of heaven who is never caught off guard. Father, I thank you for hearing us today. And for answering us speedily in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. God bless you. And now we'll ask Reverend John Belt, Senior Pastor at New St. John's Missionary Baptist Church in Oakley, to lead us in prayer. Most holy and everlasting Father, the Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the giver of every good and every perfect gift and the maker and creator of all mankind. The God who stood on nothing and commanded everything into being. The God who is our trust. Father in heaven, we come today, Lord, on the pleading terms of mercy. We first come, Father, saying thank you. Thank you, Lord, for another day that we've not seen and mercies that we don't deserve. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity to come into your presence. For in your presence is fullness of joy. Thank you, Father, that you are Lord of all, though you be not far from us. Thank you that in you we live and move and have our being. Thank you, Father, for being faithful in the face of our faithlessness. Thank you, Father, for your grace and your mercy, for they have kept us followed us, Master. So we thank you today. Most of all, Lord, we thank you for Jesus. Thank you, Master, because were it not for Jesus, we couldn't come into your presence. Were it not for Jesus, we could not call you Father. Were it not for Jesus, we could not be your sons and daughters. So, Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to pray with these your people. Pray with these, our brothers and sisters. Pray, Father, to call on your holy and righteous name. For Master, we need you. We can't make this journey without you. Father, we ask you to forgive us. Because even, Father, since the last time we called your name, we've sinned and fallen short of your glory. Since the last time we bowed, Father, we've said, done, or thought things that were displeasing in your sight. So, Father, whatever it is, forgive us. Then own us again as your children. Own us again as your people. Forgive us. Father, we don't call your name for ourselves and ourselves alone, but we call you, Father, for every blood-washed believer and everyone that has named the name of Jesus Christ. Father, we call you, Father, for those, my Father, that have been calling you a long time, calling you, Master, for those, Father, who have not known to call you, call you, my Father. We call you, Lord, for those that are too sick in the hospital and unable to call you. You told us to pray one for the other. So, Father, I ask that you would move in the hospitals. Touch those that are sick. Bless and keep those who are responding and on the front lines. Keep them safe. Keep their families safe, Master. 
Father, as they minister to others, allow your spirit to minister to them and to their hearts and to their mind. And then, Father, bring us all to a point of your of knowing your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray for the leaders of our nation. Pray that you would guide President Trump, my master, lead him and guide him in the way that you would have him to go. Help him to know that you are God and beside you there is none. In the matchless name of Jesus, we pray for healing across this world. In Jesus' name, amen. And now leading us in a word of prayer is Pastor Israel Lisbon, Senior Pastor of Living Rock Church of San Jose. Father, we are grateful that through and by your Spirit, we can come boldly before your throne of grace and mercy, recognizing that apart from your intervention, our efforts and ingenuity will simply not be enough. So with courage, hope, and complete trust, we come to you by faith on behalf of the church, of our families, our local communities, our cities, our state, our country, as well as around the world as we deal with the spread and the subsequent devastation of this corona pandemic. We pray, O oh God, for those who have been primarily afflicted by this virus, that you extend your hand of mercy and comfort upon them and heal them, O oh God. We plead for your providential love and care upon those who are suffering the effects of the sickness this virus brings. Those who have lost their loved ones to the pandemic, O oh God, you're the only one who can truly give them peace and comfort at this moment. To those who are indirectly affected by this crisis through loss of employment and means of livelihood, give them grace and comfort as well. You are a miracle-working God and nothing is impossible to you. Yet we also avail ourselves for the potential for ministry in the midst of this crisis. We thank you for the opportunities this pandemic has provided the church to advance your kingdom. Here we are, Lord. We are ready to be used by you. We pray for those who are risking their lives daily, the health workers, the essential public employees and agencies that might be exposed to the disease to make sure that you protect them, O oh God, and watch over them through and through. We pray for our leaders, from our president who has the unenviable task of leading our nation in this very trying moment in history, to the vice president, O oh God, the members of Congress, every governor, every mayor, and all the members of the task force, task force in charge of navigating through the whole ordeal. Give them divine wisdom, O Lord. We believe in, in, in the advancement of science and technology and we're grateful for that in what they can achieve. But only you, O God, can provide the wisdom and understanding that can truly make a difference. We may find a cure, but you're the only one who will ultimately be the healer and the restorer of everything. More importantly, O oh God, we pray that through this 
pandemic, your Holy Spirit will give a special visit to our cities, our homes, and even our churches, and open the eyes of the people that we all may turn from darkness to light, from the power of the devil, the world, and the flesh, to the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, our King. Let this time be a time when our hearts will turn to your love and the counsel of your word. Let this be a time of deliverance for those who are held captive by fear, sadness, anger, and frustration. Let every stronghold of unbelief be shattered by the power of your spirit. Let the world see your glory and your might through this affliction and suffering that the world is facing. We take the authority of your word and declare that you have disarmed every power and authority and that you have triumphed over them by the cross. We can pray and claim victory because we pray for everything in the name of Jesus, whose name is above every name, and in his name every knee shall bow in heaven and earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of God. His name is higher than any other, greater than any calamity, disaster and pandemics and in his name we rest forevermore amen praise god And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. We know that from Scripture we are made in the very image of God and that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And so you look at these connections and wonder to yourself just how deep do they go. And by that I mean when we talk about our relationship with God, we certainly understand it, we relate to it on the spiritual plane. But does it go deeper than that? Journalist Rob Mole joins us now. He's written a new book called What Your Body Knows About God, How We Are Designed to Connect, Serve, and Thrive. He has written uh, extensively on this topic, um, particularly related to health and health care issues. He's also editor-at-large with Christianity Today. You've also read his work, no doubt, in the Wall Street Journal and elsewhere. And he serves as communications officer to the president of World Vision. And, Rob, great to have you on the program. Well, thank you, Craig. It's great to be here. It would seem at a certain level that the notion of there being a deeper connectivity with God would be a logical one. I mean, given the fact that he uh, breathed very life into us and that we are made in his image. That's right. That's exactly where I was about to go, was to talk about that image in Genesis where God forms the human being, forms Adam out of the dust of the ground, and breathes into him the breath of life. So certainly we are spirit and flesh, and our faith, our spirituality, our connections to God do not, are not, do not just exist in a kind of ethereal plane, but they, they go down to, into who we are as, as uh, physical beings, as uh, part of God's good creation. 
There have been some interesting studies done, and we frequently heard this from physicians, and not those with an agenda. And I put that disclaimer in there because some eavesdropping on our conversation tonight, Rob might say, well, yeah, sure, these are Christian doctors, so they're primed to prove a point. No, physicians who, who make no claim to any sort of uh, religious affiliation whatsoever, but will say that they notice something unique and different about the patients who are praying patients, and that is that the recovery rates seem to be better survival rates following uh, significant surgeries, things of this sort seem to be better. Attitudes seem to be better. There seems to be a marked connectivity between the health of one's body and one's relationship or connectivity to God. In any of your research, have you seen that borne out in any sort of a a deeper scientific fashion? Well, you know, a survey of uh, HMO executives found that 94% of them believe that prayer helps medical treatment and speeds recovery of patients. Uh, Something like 80% or higher of uh, doctors say the same thing. Uh, I think that these people, you know, and I was a a hospice volunteer myself, and and you you don't get around people who are dealing with physical illnesses who aren't also in search of um, in search of something greater, and those who have that connection uh, connection to God, who are able to um, draw on that uh, deep well of faith, they're able to they're able to often deal with those illnesses in a much more productive way, and often that means that uh, literally you can measure their immune systems, and that has an effect. They're they're able to respond to disease in healthier ways. People who go to church tend to tend to live longer. People who um, are engaged in spiritual practices do. One researcher at uh, Duke University found, or he estimated, that the effects of not going to church, uh, the effects of the lack of spiritual, uh, lack of uh, spiritual involvement, was as unhealthy for people as smoking a pack of cigarettes every day for 40 years. Wow. Now, we, we certainly can, can talk about connectivity uh, of, of the body's positive reaction to positive experiences. There are experiences that help to release serotonin and we feel better. We have a sense of being uplifted, things of, of this sort. Have we seen some scientific connection then in that arena in terms of um, involvement in spiritual life? I'm talking about things like prayer, like praise and worship. I mean, I would imagine if from a biblical perspective, we are designed, created in his image, and to serve and worship him, that it would almost uh, go without saying that the body would have some kind of a mechanism that uh, that positively reacts when we're connecting with God at that level. Yeah, you know, uh, one of the newest and among the most successful treatments of people with depression is prayer, simple prayer. Uh, now, that doesn't mean... Uh, Pray a few times, and and Jesus will heal you uh, right away. But it does mean that you know we tend to go immediately to the, the sort of pharmaceutical uh, uh, area in order to treat these things. But uh, one of the most common prescriptions now is for people to to turn to prayer, and it's effective, uh, and it works, and it works because prayer is literally healthy for your brain good for your brain, for you to be engaged in a spiritual pursuit, uh, gaining uh, a sense of purpose and meaning in your life, 
Uh, it's healthy for your brain to be contemplating God and spend some time uh, meditating over Scripture. Spend some time thinking of all that uh, Jesus, uh, especially at this time of year, came to to uh, be a human being on our earth. We can consider all the things that he did. He did, and when we spend some time in that sort of contemplation, it's incredibly healthy for our brain. Have scientists taken the time? Rob, to, um, uh, to watch the way the brain reacts or responds to, um, for example, a praise and worship experience. I know that when I go into church and there is a, a rousing time of praise and worship, um, it, it, it uplifts your spirit, whatever troubles that you might have carried into the church with you from the week behind you uh, seem to just sort of melt away and and you you definitely feel as if you've made a connection with God. I would wonder if scientists have ever taken the time to be able to study the brain and see what's going on at that time when people are experiencing that that worshipful connection with God. Yeah, they sure have. And uh, one study, uh, almost jokingly, said uh, when people are in worship, it's as though they're uh, addicted to drugs. Uh, one of the natural brain chemicals is oxytocin. And uh, heroin actually mimics that. Uh, and so you get, a, in a sense, according to uh, the researchers, um, you get a sense of this spiritual high. You are, um, you, you're with all of these people. There's a, there's a social aspect there. Uh, you're with people that you know, people that you care about, people that you see week to week, maybe throughout the week. And that gives you a sense of uh, th- this uh, social uplift. And then connecting to, connecting to God in, in that kind of environment, it's a unique thing. And, and uh, one of the ways that our brains are involved is through the, through the production and reception of oxytocin. Uh, it's, a, it's a normal uh, brain chemical that helps us to, to sort of feel uplifted. And, um, and that seems to be one way that, uh, that our brains are designed to have that special feeling of connection to God. You know, God works in the, through physical means all, all the time when he works in our lives. And in that moment, uh, that, uh, that uh, little boost of oxytocin is one of those ways. Yeah, it's interesting. During this holiday season, so often we hear reports of people getting deeper in depression. They maybe have lost a loved one during this time of the year, so it's a it's a difficult time for them. We see higher rates of suicide amongst individuals during the holiday season. What a wonderful message of encouragement for people to understand that a relationship with Jesus Christ goes well beyond not just God's concern for our our relationship to him and the afterlife, but even God's concern toward how we are doing here on earth in the here and now, and that the benefits of that personal one-on-one relationship with him go so deep and so so wonderfully connected that it can change and elevate even our mood and and, uh, the way we feel about ourselves. With us today is Rob Mole. His book is called What Your Body Knows About God, How We Are Designed to Connect, Serve, and Thrive. We'll take a time out and come back to more of our visit as this edition of Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. 
Think for a moment about the feelings that you first had when you first met your spouse, for example. Uh, there, there was something that happened deep inside of you. There was a connectivity that occurred. We are wired for intimacy, and our bodies react to it when, it, when it's right. It stands to reason, therefore, that in that same sense in which the physical part of us reacts to uh, a loved one, there is that same sense of the way in which our body reacts to intimacy with God. We are, after all, created in very God's image. I've always been fascinated by the passage early on in Jeremiah where God speaks of having known Jeremiah while he was yet in his mother's womb. And so with that thought in mind, we're exploring this topic today of what our body knows about God. And with us today is um, author and journalist uh, Rob Mole. And, and Rob, toward that end, I guess it stands to reason as much as we, we see that wonderful release of all those positive chemicals that go on in the brain when we're, when we're close to our, uh, our spouse, when we're intimate with our spouse, same thing is true then, I guess, of God. Yeah, it sure is. I mean, when when researchers put uh, put someone into a, a brain scanner, it seems kind of sacrilegious to stick someone into a, a big machine and then and then tell them to pray. But we can find out some really interesting things when when that happens. And one of the interesting things is that the brain is working in this in this unique way. It's uh, different than if you were having another kind of emotional experience. So they looked at people remembering uh, fond uh, fond memories of uh, of friendship, feeling perhaps even the closest sorts of friendships that they've ever had, and remembering special moments. and And then they looked at those people remembering special moments with God and what that looked like in the brain. And, and they're actually really different things. The brain's doing something different, but not something unusual or not something that the brain isn't designed to do. Uh, and one of the fascinating things is as we, as we get closer to God and as we use our brain in this way to contemplate and, and meditate and pray to God, the brain is actually enhancing its uh, its senses of compassion, sort of the brain muscles around compassion and social awareness. So, as we as we grow in our love for God, we actually grow in our love for other people. So, as you as you mentioned, you know, as we connect with people, we're also connecting with God. As we connect with God, we're also connecting with people. When you were writing this book, in the middle of this project, um, your wife went through a pretty difficult experience, um, which I, I guess made aspects of, of this book a little bit challenging. Talk to us about what was going on with your wife, uh, Clarissa. Yeah. We were about six weeks after the birth of our child, and, and Clarissa started having panic attacks. I'd never seen someone with a panic attack before, but it's a, it's a frightening thing. Uh, this overpowering sense of uh, a sense of uh, that you're going to die. This sense of something is drastically wrong. Um, I need to, uh, 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 you know, my, my my life is unraveling. Uh, my world is unraveling, and I'm going to die any minute. Uh, it's a it's it's actually a horrible thing to witness, and. This was going on over and over and over again, and what we found as we as we uh, sought help and then talked to people and talked to experts was it's actually uh, not unusual for someone after after birth to go through a post postpartum anxiety or postpartum depression. 
so what, one of the things that was happening was that the levels of neurochemicals that she was able to use neurochemicals like we've talked about, serotonin and, and oxytocin and things like that, were at a really, really low level. So she, she wasn't able to, to function properly. And what I, what I, what the challenge for me as I'm writing this book and writing about the, the glorious design of our bodies to be able to worship God and to, and to love others, was that here... The, you know, in this sort of miraculous moment of, of birth and welcoming new life into the world, uh, we're also dealing with uh, my wife's body that had gone so drastically wrong. Uh, and I had to, I had to find, I had to seek some answers around well, how are we, what, what am I supposed to think about, especially if I'm going to continue writing this book, what am I supposed to think about our bodies design when they go wrong. How am I supposed to think about God and suffering? And and these were these were pretty tough questions for a while. Digging into that, and I think it was important for the integrity of the book to do so. Uh, what were some of the conclusions that you were able to draw for yourself? Well, you know, you look at you look at Scripture, and uh, especially at Job, and God doesn't really give Job a, a terrific answer when he when he wants to know why he went through this suffering. Uh, God essentially answers, "I'm God," <laughs> um, and and one of the things that we see in Jesus is that uh, even Jesus suffers. Uh, and not so much that that uh, God gives us an answer or, or the kind of explanation that we are seeking when we ask God about suffering, but but we see that Jesus has suffered with us. And so, as I looked, in, you know, in the in the physiology and the biology, what what is what are we supposed to? How do we make sense of this? One thing I found was that one of the healthiest things that we can do when we are suffering is actually to help other people. Uh, I talked to somebody who had gone through a similar experience of panic attacks, and uh, and he went to a, a Christian psychologist, uh, not knowing that this this woman was Christian, and she said, "Okay, your your path back to health to health is going to be to help people." And she gave him a task every Monday. She she gave him a task of, uh, you know, go to the soup kitchen, uh, help someone across the street, do these very um, very mundane but very important actions of helping another person. And that was actually his route back to health. Uh, so our bodies are designed uh, to to be helping other people, to respond to suffering. And I think that that's that was the answer for me, that uh, when, when humans were suffering alienation to, from God, he sent his son to die for us uh, in response. And, and when, when we are suffering and when we see others suffering, we're designed to respond and, and alleviate that, help alleviate that pain. We will find individuals that will, for example, during this time of year, uh, during the holidays, uh, suffer from one form or another of depression that in more extreme forms can certainly lead to panic attacks similar to what uh, your wife is experiencing on a postpartum basis. And it's fascinating to note how often, as you suggest, that just the very idea of getting the focus off of how you're feeling and your experience and focusing on somebody else whose circumstances or needs are, are, are bigger or more severe, how that can entirely change your outlook and suddenly you realize, wait a minute, I'm here doing all of this and engaged in helping this person, 
and I'm no longer feeling depressed. I'm I'm no longer having to deal with the panic attacks. And it's amazing to see the way God sort of builds into our system this ability to to do unto others that oftentimes be a form of worship as well. And in doing so, all of a sudden, the body has a way of, of healing itself, doesn't it? That's right. You know, one of the one of the interesting things uh, of research recently is that you know mental health is uh, you, your mental health is best when you're not really thinking about yourself. Um, when, as C.S. Lewis talks about, you can't go around uh, looking for how can I experience joy today. Uh, you experience joy when you're finding joy in the things that you do, uh, and in the same way, mental health. Um, you know, we are healthier as people. When we are engaged, when we are concerned not for ourselves, uh, but for those around us, those who we care about, those that we are living our lives with, our family members, our friends, uh, those, those in our church communities, uh, the people at work, that's really where we find meaning and purpose and then therefore a healthy life. Rob Mole, the book called What Your Body Knows About God, How We're Designed to Connect serve and thrive. Rob, thanks so much for the insights. The book, by the way, published by InterVarsity Press. You'll find it at Bay Area Christian Bookstores. Great holiday gift. Also through Amazon.com. Thanks again to uh, Rob Mole for being with us. Details, too, about his work on the web at com. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to kfax.com. That's kfax.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time round, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved. Music